return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Say it with me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever I do that, I feel like I'm going to forget a line. It's like, remember, uh, if any, um, this is really a tangent. When we, has anybody watched The Hulk? And then at the end they have that counter and it's like so many times since the last episode. Like he gets mad and then the timer resets to zero and days. I feel like I do that every time that I say that. It's like this many days since the last time I messed up on, on the beginning part of that. Uh, I've heard it so many times. But I like it because it, for me it gets me ready. Amen. Pastor Dave's up here and he says that he gets me ready to receive from him. So I don't know why I said all that, but I did. We're going to talk this morning. Um, I titled the message, The Past Doesn't Determine Your Future. Amen. And, and uh, we can all attest to the fact that we have a past. We all have things we've done in, in the past that we're not proud of. Maybe we've made mistakes. Um, that's okay. I'm here to tell you that's okay. Everybody make, makes mistakes. Amen. Um, maybe uh, we had a family member, a parent, make mistakes, and we think, well, I'm probably just going to make the same mistakes that my parents made. Um, Again, the past doesn't determine your future. The mistakes that your parents made doesn't determine uh, your future, the choices that you're going to make. Amen? So let's go first to Philippians 3.13. The Bible says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is speaking here in Philippians, and Paul had a past, didn't he? Uh, Paul was, was consenting to Stephen's death. Never actually says in the Bible that he, that he was the one that stoned somebody to death, but he was consenting to uh, the death of Christians. And he thought it was okay. He dragged people out of their homes, away from their families, put them in prison for nothing, no wrongdoing. And so, uh, if you know the story of Paul, Paul gets converted on the road to Damascus, doesn't he? And, and the Lord has a plan for his life. He wants to use him uh, to further the kingdom. And so Paul gets miraculously converted, and uh, he um, loses his sight, and he goes and he gets prayed, by, prayed for by Ananias, who then the Lord restores his sight. And he, what does he do? It says, the Bible says that um, immediately he starts preaching the gospel. There's, there's a couple of different parts. It says, 
Um, he, immediately he starts preaching the gospel, but he also stays in that, in that place for a little bit, just to learn and to grow and to do different things. And so Paul had quite a journey from when he was uh, younger, and he studied the law, and he studied in the synagogues and different things. His, his uh, father was uh, a holy man, right? Um, and um, he, he grew up in the law. He knew the law front and back. Paul calls himself, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So he knew everything. And, and, uh, but I love in, in verse 13, he says, I do not count myself to apprehend that I have apprehended. He's saying, I, I don't think that I've arrived. Okay. So Paul, you know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And, uh, and you think, you know, you look at Paul and you think of his ministry, you think, wow, you know, he got taken up to the third heaven. Um, he saw Jesus, he spoke with Jesus. Um, but he says, I have not apprehended. But one thing I do, and I think this is a key to growing in the Lord. He says, one thing I do is I forget the things which are behind. So, again, he had this past. He made mistakes. But he, he's not looking back at the mistakes that he's made. He's not um, wallowing in any grief or any self-pity for uh, what he's done, Right? He says he's forgetting those things which are behind, and he's reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So what Paul's saying is we don't want, he's not saying that he doesn't remember anything, anything from the past, but what he's saying is I'm not going to dwell on my past. I'm not going to dwell on the things that I did in the past. And we can use that for things that we did that were wrong, and we can use that thing for, for times that were good in our life. We don't want to dwell on the past. Because if we, if we dwell on the past, we can't move forward. You know, if you've heard of, you know, sometimes people will say, uh, you know, talk about the glory days, quote-unquote glory days. You know, they live, maybe there was a, maybe they're a really good high school athlete, and so they just continue to relive how good of an athlete they were in high school. Well, that's living in the past. You're not growing no, you're kind of just sitting, staying put because you're not allowing yourself to move on to other things. And we don't want to do that um, in our physical life, but we don't do that, do that as Christians either, right? We don't want to dwell on, well, uh, I made this mistake um, a couple years ago, so um, I can't be used in that area, whatever that area is. Maybe I, I made a bad business deal, so Lord, uh, he, he can't help me, um, or I can't help people with finances because I made this bad business deal. You know, one of my favorite verses, I'm going to find it so I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't want to paraphrase it here, but it's in Corinthians. And I use this a lot. I use this uh, when my parents divorced and, and different things going on in my life. Second Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians 1, I'm in 2. So it says in verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And so I thought about that when my parents divorced, and, 
And I thought, you know, instead of um, wallowing in self-pity, why don't I use this to help other people maybe that go through these types of things too? And it was amazing how a supernatural peace came over me in that time of need, in that time of, of where, uh, you know, for anybody, I was 23, I think, and for anybody it's, it's not easy. It's not easy when, when parents split up and different things like that. But the Lord really gave me a supernatural peace to say, no, you go out and you continue to live for me, and when people come across your path that have gone through the same things, I want you to comfort them. I want you to help them. So there might be a mistake that you made in your past that you think, well, God can't use me because of this mistake. No, maybe, I mean, God wants to do good things in your life. He wants you to overcome the things in our, of our past. Amen? Amen? And so by doing that, you know, we, we're in the word, we're, we're seeking from the Lord, and then somebody else comes along that maybe made the same mistake. Well, what do you do? Yeah, I've been there. This is what I did. I, I sought the Lord. I, I um, you know, this, these scriptures really got me through this time. Amen. We can help people in our future from our past. So we don't want to dwell on our past. We don't want our past to hold us back from our future. common phrase that you hear is, I'm, a, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. And, uh, you know, when we really say that, we're having a past mindset. We're thinking about how we were a sinner at one point, And we're thinking about, and, and the devil kept, keeps telling us, oh, you're just a sinner saved by grace, you're a sinner saved by grace. And Deb's had a great, has some great teachings on this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? So, by saying I was a sinner, we're living in the past, but by saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen, we're looking forward. We're looking towards him. Amen? We're looking towards him. If we go back to Philippians uh, 3.14, he says, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, we're pressing towards this goal. He calls it a goal. Pressing towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's the prize? What's the prize? Well, the prize is, it, one, is eternal life, right? We have to get eternal life in him when we look forward, we move forward in him. Um, but also, uh, the prize is just uh, your calling. What has he called you to do? What's your mission? What's your purpose in life? That's also the prize that we're seeking after, isn't it? Because when we're called, we all need purpose in life. Life without purpose, and really life without God is a life without purpose. Okay. So when we know Jesus, it's like we have to know what our purpose is and our calling is. And so he calls it this prize, the upward call, of God in Christ Jesus. So, we know that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, it's true that we were sinners, but when Jesus came, he came to wash away the sinner mentality. Amen. Paul said, um, yeah, the law was great because I knew sin because of the law, but we're not living in the law anymore. We're not living in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. We're living under the law of grace. We're living in the New Covenant. So we aren't living under the law, but under grace. We're not living under the past covenant, but under the present covenant, under the new covenant. And the Bible says that the new covenant is a better covenant established on better promises. Amen? Better promises. He has better promises for you than uh, what you were in your old life. He has better promises for you than what they had in the Old Testament. 
The New Testament has um, all the benefits of God, all the blessings of God from the Old Covenant, but none of the curses. Amen? I've, I know I've heard that dozens of times from many, many people here, that we don't take the curses from the Old Law, but we take the blessings. Amen? We take the, the benefits from, from what uh, the Old Law was. And so, even when you're reading the Word, it's important that we're discerning the Old Testament. Because there's a lot in, in the Old Testament that we can bring over to the New Testament, right? Um, I had a conversation with somebody um, just about clapping your hands. And, and you know, it's, it's not specifically in the New Testament to clap your hands. So should we be doing that? And it's like, yes, because it's not part of the law. But the Old Testament says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout with the God, to the God with the voice of triumph. Amen? Amen? And so we have to be able to discern what can we take from the Old Testament over to the New Testament. The fact that we were sinners is not one of them. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Or we might say, well, God can't use me because of my past. That's untrue. We're used by God because we choose to let go of the past and we choose to serve him. Amen? There was never a time when Jesus said to somebody that they should remember the sin of their past. There's never a time where Jesus said, yeah, you're, you're saved, you know, go and sin no more, but just remember what happened. No, he never says that to anybody, right? Remember when Jesus spoke to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, scribes and Pharisees, Wanted to stone her according to the law. I always wonder, what were they doing there when they caught her in the act? Why were they there? Why didn't they stone her before? She obviously, they obviously knew she was there, right? But what does Jesus say to her? John, 10, uh, John 8, 10. The Bible says that uh, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, who are those accusers of yours? Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What was he saying? He's saying, go. He was pointing forward, wasn't he? He wasn't pointing backwards. He was pointing forward. He's saying, go and sin no more. Amen. I don't condemn you. Go and, you know, you might have made some mistakes in the past, but God doesn't condemn you. Jesus doesn't condemn you for what you've done. Isn't that, isn't that great? I mean, so many times we condemn ourselves. We just beat ourselves down. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And yeah, if we're habitually making the same mistakes, then yeah, we need to change. But if you made one mistake, God isn't coming down and saying, hey, you better watch yourself because last week you did this. No. He's saying, I don't condemn you. Just, just go and sin no more. Help, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Amen. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you in your life. He didn't speak to her about her past, but he spoke to her about her future. He said, go. Go and sin no more. He said, I have a good, basically said, I have a good life for you, a life with no sin. Amen? Going forward is a command, or go is a forward command. And some of us just need to go forward instead of going backwards. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is he saying? We don't have to, you don't have to dwell on the sins of the past. You don't have to dwell on the mistakes that we've made. We don't have to dwell on, uh, on the mistakes or the sins of our fathers or our mothers or our grandparents. Amen. He's called us uh, to... Uh, to move past those things. 
I always think too, you know, when when um, and Pastor Dave said this before, uh, when Joshua was t- Joshua was taking over in the Old Testament and, and Moses had died, the, what did the Lord say? Moses, my servant, is dead. And then he started giving him instructions, saying, "Be strong and be of good courage." Right? He started he started preparing him for his future. He was telling Joshua, "Don't live in the past. My, my Moses, my servant Moses, is dead. Okay, now it's your turn. It's your turn to." to take the people of Israel and to conquer and to do the things that I've called you to do. Amen. That's why there's, the Bible says there's a time, there's a time for mourning. And you're just thinking about when we lose loved ones, there's a time. There's, all, there's always a mourning period, isn't there? But at some point we move on and we continue with the calling that God has called us to do. Especially if they know Jesus, we know that they're in heaven. Hallelujah. Maybe it's sadder for us on earth, but they're rejoicing. I lost my grandfather just over a year ago, uh, first grandfather I'd lost, um, but he loved Jesus, and so I know he's rejoicing in heaven. And that helps me move on, doesn't it? When we know that our loved ones know the Lord, it helps us move on. And it helps us want to continue to, uh, to uh, witness to our family. You know, maybe somebody passed away and you're not sure. I always say not sure, and I never say that they're not, because we don't know their heart. We don't know the heart of people that pass away. We can look at their actions, but we don't know their heart. Hallelujah. It's easy to sometimes use our past to make excuses about why we underachieve. I've never been a very clean person. Or I've always been really bad at organization. I oh, Man, I just did that before I started preaching, didn't I? See, I'm preaching to myself, too. Or I'm not surprised I messed up my words on my sermon because that's how I've always been. Or my parents had a temper, so I'm bound and destined to be the same way. I'm sure some of us can relate to some of those uh, statements that we've made. Change your destiny by following the word. Amen? Change your destiny by following the word. You aren't defined by your past mistakes, your historical shortcomings, your parents' shortcomings. Just because your dad had a temper doesn't mean you have to have a temper. Just because your parents struggled with alcohol or addiction doesn't mean you're going to struggle with alcohol and addiction. I want to look at an example here. Uh, I want to look at Manasseh, Amon, and Josiah. Okay, so three kings in, in, in the Bible, kings of Judah. So let's go to Second uh, Chronicles 33. Now, I always, I've always just been amazed, you know, we'll get to Josiah, but... We'll start with Manasseh. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abomination of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. He raised up altars for the Baals, and made wooden images, and he worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. So, Manasseh started off as, as one of the worst kings uh, in the history of Judah, in the history of Israel. I mean, he was, he was so bad, it said that, um, I don't think I have the verse, but, but you know, he bade his children, the children of, Israel, of Judah walk through fire, right? Which, what does that mean? It means that he sacrificed children. He used them as offerings to the gods. He worshipped other gods in the temple of the, Holy, of, of the Lord. I mean, he really... Uh, it was really unbelievable, you know, you read through uh, Manasseh and what he did. And So he started off as one of the most evil kings of Judah, and he built altars 
again, in places where they were supposed to be worshiping the Lord, made his children walk through fire. And we go to verse 10, 2 Chronicles 33:10, And it said, uh, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. So again, they, they, he trying to get their attention, trying to get Manasseh's attention, he's not going to listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the armies of the kings of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. And I want to I be clear on this, is that in the New Testament, when we, when we go away from the Lord, um, it's not that he puts things on you, it's that we remove ourselves from the covering of Jesus. Okay? We remove ourselves. Okay? So I'm not saying that he's going to make, Lord's going to make hardships on you or anything like that. That's, a, that's an Old Testament thing. In the New Testament, we do it to ourselves, right? So, uh, 10, and let's go to 11 and thir- uh, 12 through 13 here. Now, when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him, and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into the kingdom. Then Messiah knew that the Lord was God. So I, I wanted to say that because Manasseh, again, was, was an evil king. He had no regard for the Lord. He had no regard for anything holy. And, uh, and in, in his situation, once he was afflicted, then when he cried out to the Lord, uh, the Lord heard his prayer. And Manasseh actually turned back towards the Lord. Now, it was too late because the Bible tells us that even though he, he implored the children of, of Judah to, to listen to the Lord and to serve the Lord, they didn't, didn't they? They, they, they didn't. They were already stuck in their ways. But Manasseh, he has, he has uh, this kind of um, this revelation that, wow, the reason I'm being afflicted is because I'm not following the Lord. And so he seeks the Lord. Okay, so that's Manasseh. So Manasseh, he was evil, but at the end of his life, he repented. He tried to make things right that he did wrong. He learned from the mistakes that he made. And that's what we want to do. So I have a note here. How we start our life doesn't have to be how we end it. Amen? How we start our life. How we start our Christian walk doesn't have to be how we end it. Because some of us in here are Christians and we think, wow, I've been a really lousy Christian. Just go and sin no more. Follow the Lord, amen? doesn't have to be how we end up. We don't have to be like, oh, I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to struggle with this addiction. No, just continue to seek the Lord, amen? Second Chronicles 30, verse 20 through 23. So Manasseh wrestled with his fathers. They buried him in his own house. Then his son Amon reigned in his place. And you think, well, Manasseh came back to the Lord. Praise the Lord. His son's probably going to do the same, right? Son Amon reigned in his place. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. Verse 22 says, But he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and as his father Manasseh had done. For Amon sacrificed all the carved images with his father, which his father Manasseh had made, and served them. He did not humble himself before the Lord, as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. But Amon trespassed more and more. Okay, so we have Manasseh. We have, we have the guy that, that started off really not good, and repented and started living for the Lord. We have Amon, his son, who comes in and just does evil. He just doesn't repent. He doesn't listen to the Lord. He just, it says he trespassed more and more. He, just, he had a, a thrill of trespassing. Okay, I'm not going to spend much time on Amon. Let's go to Second Chronicles 34.1. So then Amon's son, Josiah, takes the throne. And think about this. Josiah was eight years old. 
eight years old when he took the throne. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And I love, we'll just keep reading. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He was eight years old. How did he know? And uh, I think in Second Kings it talks about his mother. And I think it talks about maybe his grandmother. You know, I'm sure they had some influence on his life. Um, oh, you can go back, sorry. Go back to uh, one through three there. So he's eight years old, reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right, to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, when he was still young, so I'm guessing, you know, you, know, you think eight, eight years old to 16 years old. 16 was probably a good age for them to actually have responsibility over everything. I'm sure there was uh, those that kind of helped them make decisions. But in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And that is the key. Do you want to turn your life around? Do you want to make your life um, from somewhere that you're, something that you're not proud of to something that you're honoring the Lord with? Seek him. Amen. Amen. It says that he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. I mean, he was, he, he was like his father David. Amen. He had a heart like his father David. He had a heart... You know, you, you read through Second Kings, Second uh, Kings, and Second Chronicles, and you just see the heart of worship that he had, and you see just how much he respected and revered the Lord. Um, in his time too, the the Book of the Law was found, and and he made sure that they followed the Book of the Law. And then we go to verse 18. He he held a Passover, and there hadn't been a Passover held for decades in the in Judah, and it said there had been no Passover kept in Israel like that. Since the days of Samuel the prophet, and none of the kings of Israel had kept the Passover as Josiah kept, with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel, who were present in the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. His father, Amon, was one of the most evil kings to reign in Judah. And uh, one thing that I really love about Josiah was that not only was he, he wasn't just young, but he had wisdom. You know, so whether it was wisdom to listen to those who were maybe older than him and wiser than him, and then when he got, to, got of age to, to make decisions on his own, um, he used wisdom to seek the Lord. Amen? He used wisdom to seek the Lord. He wanted to do what was right in the eyes of God. He could have said, well, this is how my father was. This is how I'm going to be. He could have made excuses. Well, my father was, a, was an evil man. That's just probably going to be me. You've got to remember, these are real people. <laughs> these aren't just stories in the Bible. I always, I always remind myself that. These aren't just stories. This actually happened. I mean, these are real kings in, in real situations. He was a real eight-year-old. Think of, the, think of all the eight-year-olds you know. Uh, and, and ask if they could even reign in your house. I don't think so. We're about to have an eight-year-old. Must be in the back. Um, but he was eight years old. And he was a real he was a real kid, but he loved Jesus. He he wanted to, he loved the Lord. He wanted to seek the Lord. That was his aim when he was sixteen to seek the Lord. He was able to break the power of evil over his life that his father and his grandfather and many others in his line had. It's pretty amazing. So I know some of you have parents or grandparents that didn't serve the Lord, 
And some of you are the forks in the road. And some of you have made a difference in your families. Whew. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for you guys. You know, I was, I was saved when I was young. My, my dad, uh, my mom knew the Lord. Um, my grandparents later in life knew the Lord. And so that for, for me, that was my fork in the road. My grandparents. Both sets, when they were uh, later on in, in their life, 40s, 50 years old, uh, they came to Jesus. Amen. Decisions that we make in our life can have, I'm reading a book uh, by Lauren Carlson, just the monumental choices that we just make in our everyday life. So decisions that we make in our life can have monumental uh, consequences or benefits to those that are going to come behind us. And Josiah, you know, you don't see, unfortunately you don't see it in, in kings in Judah and Israel because it's, it's so up and down. Uh, Josiah did what was right inside of the Lord. But then Josiah's son did what was wrong in the sight of the Lord. And his brother did what was wrong. But the choices that you make can have an impact on the future of your kids. On the future of your grandkids. Amen? Amen. Sometimes people make a mistake in their life and they think, there's no, I, there's no way I can recover from this. Or there's no way I could repay um, what I did. Let's look at Peter. So Peter denied Jesus. Remember, we all know the story. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I'm not. And Jesus said, yeah, you are. And Peter said, no, I'm not. And he said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, Lord, I will die for you. I will never. I would never do that, right? So Peter denied Jesus three times, even after he made that promise that he would never do it. In Luke 22, 59, the Bible says, so this is, this is in the last, the last uh, denial. It says, And after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking, what you're saying. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. <clears throat> Just think of the anguish Peter felt after, after doing that. And I always think, you know, he denies and then Jesus just turns and just looks at him. He probably doesn't shake his head, but what, he looks at him with what? Eyes of compassion, love, amen. Um, he wasn't saying, I told you so. He's just eyes of compassion, love. But that moment, I mean, Peter's heart just has to sink. I mean, just has to drop. And it says that he went out <clears throat> and he wept bitterly. And I always think, man, this could have been the end for Peter. I mean, if he would have chose to stay in his self-pity and, and his guilt, that could have been it. You know, he could have, could have went away into nothing. I always feel <clears throat> that Judas, you know, Judas, you know, makes the mistake of, of uh, selling out Jesus, right? And he um, gets the silver. And the Bible says he actually goes back and he gives him back. He throws it back at him. So I don't want it. I know what I, what I did was wrong. Um, and I really believe that if Judas would have repented, because the devil doesn't have, he doesn't have to have a hold over anybody. Amen. So it wasn't like, um, I never look at it as, well, it was Judas's destiny to do this, and then, you know, he was going to go and he's going to go to hell. Yeah, there was, there was prophecy and different things, but Judas had already, he had already made up his mind um, that uh, he was so entrenched by this guilt 
of what he did to Jesus by betraying him. <clears throat> now, what does it say? Well, he went out and he, he, he hung himself, didn't he? Killed himself. And I always think, man, if Judas would have just repented, his life could have been so much different. Right? I even think, you know, I'd have to do a study on this probably, but <clears throat> how many times in the, in, in the, uh, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, um, he mentioned all 12, you know, so as far as having, having um, places in heaven, mentioned all 12. I really believe Jesus was hoping that, Jesus, that Judas, Jesus, Judas, that Judas would change his mind, that Judas would repent of what he did. But we're looking at Peter here. He went out and he wept bitterly. And he could have said, man, I blew it. I don't deserve to be a part of the kingdom. I, I'm just as bad as Judas. I denied Jesus, right? Um, he could have said, I don't deserve to be used by the Lord after what I did, right? But Peter ended up being one of the most influential leaders of the New, in the New Testament church, in the early church. His messages brought thousands of people to Jesus. Amen. His sermons, people just, the Holy Spirit, he was filled, the Bible says every time he spoke, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and people just hung on every word and became saved and, and set free from things because of Peter. And I always wondered, how did he go from feeling like the lowest person on earth to a leader? And, and one thing to realize is he didn't do it on his own. Um, we always have to remember between uh, G- Peter denying Jesus and, and him being an influential leader, there was some time in between. And so let's go to, let's go to John 21, <clears throat> 15. So, so uh, Jesus has, has um, shown himself to Mary and Martha. He's shown himself to the disciples. And um, he, he was on the beach when the disciples were in the boat on the sea. And remember, I always, think, I always love the back and forth with Peter and John because in John, uh, it says Peter took off without a garment. He jumped into the water. And then John said, but we, just, we just rode back in because we were just a little ways offshore. Um, kind of like sticking in Peter's side again. Um, but John 21:15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. So what was Jesus trying to get through to Peter? One, he, you know, he, he was restoring him back, wasn't he? He was restoring him back um, to before he, he denied him. But what was he doing? He wasn't be, bringing up Peter's past mistakes. He wasn't bringing up the denials. He wasn't bringing up what he had said, that he had promised not to do it, but he did it anyways. Um, but what was he doing? Jesus was showing Peter the calling that he had for him. By saying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, um, feed my sheep. He was saying, <clears throat> and if you go on, it actually, Jesus tells him about the way he's, you know, he's going to um, die, right? But in this, in this part, he's saying, I have a calling for you to feed my lambs, to feed my sheep, to tend my sheep. He was, looking, he was pointing them forward. He's saying, Peter, don't worry about what happened. Don't worry about it. Put it out of your mind. Look forward, because 
I'm going to have you feed my lambs, and I'm going to have you tend my sheep, and I'm going to have you feed my sheep, right? So in your life, you might have things that have gone on, things that you're struggling to get over. Forget about what happened in the past. Don't dwell on it, okay? Because he has a higher calling for you. He wants you to do some great things in his kingdom. Every single one of you, every single one of us, he wants us to do great things for him in his kingdom. Peter understood that the past was the past and he couldn't change it, but he could move forward. So sometimes we need to realize the past is the past. We can't change it. If I'm going down the interstate and I miss my exit, am I going to back up so I can make it again? I have to keep driving, don't I? I missed it. We're going to miss it in life. But keep going forward. Keep, keep uh Bible says, going to the upward call, right, of the prize that he has for you. So I was like, if we're going forward, that means we're looking up. Looking up at him, amen? Just a couple more scriptures here. <clears throat> Doesn't matter how your past looks or the mistakes you've made, Jesus has a calling on your life regardless. He wants you to focus on your calling, not on your past. One thing that's important to know is we can always learn from our past, but we don't want to dwell on it. So we can learn from things that's happened. That's, that's totally fine. Um, Irv Kolbeck would always say, um, now I'm going to forget the line that he used, but uh, learn from others' mistakes so you, because you don't have enough time to make them all yourself. Right? So we want to learn. We want to learn from the things that we've done, but we want to continue to go forward in the Lord. Let the mistakes you made in the past help you not to make the same mistakes in the future. Proverbs 26.11, kind of a gross scripture here. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Don't be a fool. Don't, don't continue to make the same mistakes of your past. Okay. Um, don't continue to uh, keep going back um, because that's all you know. No, he, again, he has, he has more for you like Josiah did, like David did, like Peter did, right? I'm not going to make that mistake again. Continues to go towards the Lord. Seek the Lord. Let him restore you. Sometimes we just got to let go. Sometimes we just got to let go and say, Lord, thank you for restoring me. Lord, I confess my sins. The Bible says you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Don't have a pity party because of your past mistakes. Right? Let that sink in. Don't have a pity party because of your past mistakes. It might be easy to say, well, um, you know, it's, it's easy when you're trying to make people feel sorry for yourself to, to say, like, wow, I'm just such a bad person. And people say, oh, no, you're not. That's okay. Well, I've, I've made these mistakes. Oh, no, you're not. That's what having a pity party is, right? You want having people feel sorry for you because... You know, is Ryan in here? Man, Ryan does that sometimes. We'll say, I'm just not a good kid. Oh, Ryan, yes, you are. Don't say that. What do you know? He wants, he wants somebody to lift them up, right? We don't have to do that. We can continue to say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's such more, much more of a powerful statement than to, than to try to dwell on what we've done in the past, right? We all make mistakes. The Bible says we all fall short of, short of the glory of God. But when we turn to him, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, 
but the wicked shall fall by calamity. When you make a mistake, that's okay. Get back up. Make another mistake, get back up. Amen? Get back up. Continue to get up even after you fall. That's really how you succeed in life, isn't it? Just by getting up. Getting up again. We continue to look ahead. Don't give up in life. That's what the devil wants you to do. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus and live our life for him. As soon as we've given up, we've given in to the devil's, uh, what, he wants to, what he wants. As soon as we give up, we've given in. Last scripture here, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul says, do, I, do you not know that, the, that those who run in a race all run, but when one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may, that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I, dis- I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So when you're running, they always tell you, you know, you don't want to look back at your opponent. You know, if you're running in a, in a track meet, you always use the corner to kind of, to either the corner of your eyes, see where the runner behind you is, but you never went on a straightaway look back because you lose momentum, you lose your stride, it takes energy. <clears throat> it's the same thing in life. It's the same thing as spiritual things. If, if we stay the course and we just continue to run the race, and he says that we're going to need to run, a, run the race in such a way that you obtain the prize. What does that mean? You're focused, your head you're focused on, on the finish line. You're not looking back, right? When we do that, you're going to obtain the prize. You're going to obtain the, this imperishable crown that he talks about. And then it says in verse 26, Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. That's the other, that's the other thing. You know, when, you, when you're looking back in a race, you don't know where the opponent is. Where's the guy you're running against? Looking back. Don't run with uncertainty. Run, run, understanding that, no, I, I'm, I'm called to, to preach the gospel. I'm called to be a witness. I'm called to share my testimony. I'm called to be a light to my family. I'm called to uh, be a light to the person in the supermarket. And I was just talking with, just with Pastor Dave the other day, and just how many times you can tell um, if you look closely at people at like the register of a gas station or Hy-Vee or Walmart, well, not Walmart as much anymore. I do a lot of self-checkout at Walmart. But uh, when you see the person at the register and you just ask a simple question such as, how are you doing? And some people will say, oh, I'm doing great. Or some people will say, I'm doing good. Or some people will say, eh, could be better. Well, that's, that's an open opportunity. That's a door. Oh, what's going on? And a lot of times people will tell you. They just want to, they just want, need someone to talk to about what's going on in their life. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. You mind if I pray for you? Man. I've, there's been times where we've, I've done that and there's tears in people's eyes. And it's not about, you know, it's not about, wow, that guy was so nice or anything like that. No, it's about uh, what's the impact I can have in somebody's life. Okay. Um, that's the other thing. If I'm, if I'm going through my day and I'm worrying and I'm thinking about all the mistakes I've made, I'm going to miss the opportunity that God puts in front of me. We don't want to miss the opportunities that God puts in front of us. Amen? 
We don't want to run with uncertainty. We're always looking behind us, wondering if we made mistakes along the way. Get a newsflash, you have made mistakes, right? We make mistakes along the way, but the way you start your journey doesn't determine how you end your journey. The way you start your walk with the Lord doesn't determine how you're going to end it. I just want to be encouragement this morning, just to let you know, if you've made mistakes, if, you, if, if your parents have made mistakes that have hovered over you, uh, don't let it get you down. Don't let it hinder your walk with the Lord. Um, don't let it distract you from the high calling. That's the other thing the Bible says. We have, a, we have a high calling. You don't just have a calling. You have a high calling. Amen. Don't let it distract you from the high calling that God's called you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this high calling that you've called us uh, in, Lord, that, that we can, even despite things that have gone on in our past, uh, despite mistakes, Lord, you said that you've, uh, you're the God of all comfort. You comfort us in our tribulations so we can comfort others when they're going through the same things, Lord. And so we thank you that no matter what's going on and no matter what's happened in our past or the circumstances that are happening right now, it doesn't have to predict our future. It doesn't have to get into our future, Lord. We thank you that the Bible says that he is the beginning and he is the end. He is the first and the last. Hallelujah. So look towards Jesus. Look towards you. We thank you that we can look towards you, Lord, as the author and the finisher of our faith. We just give you all the praise and glory, Lord. I thank you for blessing everybody here this morning, uh, blessing their day. Lord, that as they have opportunities uh, to share a testimony, as they have opportunities to pray for others, Lord, that they take advantage. They take advantage because it's not about us, but it's about how many people can we get into your kingdom? How many people can we get to know you, Lord? So we give you praise and honor. We thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, that we're here for such a time as this, with our families, our friends, our coworkers, and even just strangers we meet, Lord. And we thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off from this morning. Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Have a wonderful day. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing testimonies next week as what the Lord's doing in your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.